This is Coda Radio, episode 245 for February 14th, 2017. everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Scale Your Code. Tell you more about those great sponsors as this year's show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us almost just like it was yesterday, but a little more romance, why yes, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike! Happy Valentine's Day, baby. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, honey. You know, I, I am spending Valentine's Day with you instead of my significant other, which, let's be honest, that means you're my significant other. But we already knew Look, that. You, you know, you and I love each other, but we can't be together. So let's make like a Russian fighter jet and just buzz the top of each other. <laughs> okay. All right. Or influence a Trump admin, depending on your situation. Oh, well, I mean, oh. why not both? So we dug ourselves out of, uh, of, a, of a sort of a travel episode yesterday. We hadn't talked for a little while. And so that we, we are recording for time purposes the day after. Now, for you guys listening, it won't really matter. I should probably not even mention all of this. But just so you know, if anything major crazy happens, that's why maybe it didn't get mentioned here. But we do have some immediate follow-up already from yesterday's episode. We've already had people download and uh, write us in. Uh, Peter wrote in and said, thanks for your earlier advice on managing a solo developer. I'd like to weigh in on the .NET renaissance that you guys talked about uh, last episode. So let's get into the feedback right now, Mike, and then we'll jump into all of the other topics the meaty things that we have set up for today's episode. So uh, Peter writes, one key demographic may be the small local group that has to use MS Tools because their parent corporate group already has the Microsoft stack. I would much prefer other more future-proof technologies, but since we already have IIS and SQL, I'd rather not swim upstream. My team thinks that I'm an open-source heretic. In this case, Microsoft's decision to make .NET open-source gives me some peace of mind. It's not only my first choice, but it's gotten much better lately. It is reminiscent of an old adage, no one ever got fired for buying IBM. Thanks again. The show is great. Mace wrote in, too, on Twitter to sort of echo those thoughts. Uh, Mace uh, said that .NET is big in healthcare, which are huge applications, and uh, I definitely experienced that firsthand even years ago, uh, that uh, .NET had a huge, huge, huge market there. And those apps, they're so expensive. And Mays also said that uh, you see Sharp at work, and I've been pushing for mono slash core to avoid irrelevance, which sort of echoes some of the things we suspected. So I, I liked our take. I think looking back at it, Mike, it's only been 24 hours, but I liked our take on the, the .NET renaissance thing. It's sort of like we said. It's it, For those that have already invested after all of these years, these moves that Microsoft have made have probably made them feel like they're going to continue that investment and feel better about it. Yeah, I th- I mean, it's only been one day because of our recording schedule, but yeah, I think it's. Uh, I-, I think the feedback is definitely echoing that. All right, I like that deep analysis you have on it. That's good. That's good. That's good. Deep. I liked uh, also Peter for uh, rushing that in for us, so that way we could get it uh, here on the show. If you want to get feedback to us, go to jupiterbroadcasting.com/slash/contact or go to quarterradio.com. So, so Chris, mm-hmm. yes. I, it's Valentine's Day. Yes. <clears throat> you know how sometimes in relationships you get in an argument. And someone wins. 
Yeah, sometimes. I mean, then you, re- then you relitigate the argument, right? And now you're <sighs> fighting again. Yeah. And then someone wins. <laughs> yeah. But perhaps you come back again to relitigate that argument. I mean, you and I don't do that because our love, let me take a sip of wine, is true. Yes, and I'm deep. having red wine for our romantic show today. Okay. <laughs> Do, do you know who we might need to get, you know, Dr. Phil in here for? Oh, who? Which love, which bromance has been broken? That is, of course, the bromance between Oracle and Google. Oh, oh, my brother. Oh, my brother. It is it is so on like Donkey Kong. Again, Oracle has filed an appeal in the copyright lawsuit against the Googs. Um, of course, this is about the May ruling that favored Google's use of the software that Oracle claimed did not fall under fair use. The appeal filed Friday drags out a dispute that has its roots going back to 2010 when Oracle first issued Google for, I'm sorry, for sued Google for using its software, which Oracle owns. Dark Cloud, welcome back. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, except for we knew this was going to happen. Well, of course, they're, they're going to appeal until they can't appeal, right? Mm-hmm. Until some judge says, no, you're done. But... Does this do people care about this still? I no, mean, I, no, I right no, below. Okay. no, I no, don't no, think no, no. I care. And I think it could have big ramifications long term for Android if, if Oracle is successful. And I think they have a I personally think because of those emails they have, they have a good those emails were not considered in the last case. The emails where Google basically says we're going to have to either license this or fight it out in court. Ha ha ha. Those emails weren't in the last case. And you've got to imagine they're going to be in this appealed case. Oh, my God. I mean. That might be Oracle's only evidence, right? I don't know. Or, you know, or it's or it just proves that they knew that they were doing something, but it still doesn't change the fundamental fact that it's fair use. The court could still rule that way. So how did the last case go? Fair use, Oracle, essentially. Fair use, Google's. Google's fair use. Oracle needs to STFU, can't copyright APIs, which is what everybody which is what everybody glommed onto as the big the big thing at stake here. And that's why the whole internet the whole internet got behind Google without really looking at the entire like, case. Well I remember that. We were on the other side of the coin yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. And of course we were just wrong according to the internet. But an Oracle win, that wouldn't necessarily mean developers couldn't use Java. In fact, I think no. it would have no it might impact. mean that Google has to pay some sort of royalty or something to it. And damages because it's been, you know. Yeah. Eight years or whatever. Yeah, and they showed it. They showed intention to do it originally at early on in the process. Right, so they would be considered malicious, I guess. I think I don't know. What am I? I ain't a lawyer, but well, I'll tell you what. The, it seems like Oracle has a good case, so I knew they'd take it. I knew they'd be going to appeals. It's disgusting, though, and I, I wonder if, uh, I wonder if you it know, could have any kind of crazy ramifications. I think that's what I fantasize about. Is all of a sudden Google announces, all right, Android ten. We're switching away from Java. See, I've been, um, this is our topic for later in the show, but I've been looking at uh, doing some embedded stuff. And I was reading up on the current state of the Java Micro Edition, Java ME. It's not awesome. Um, Oracle, I mean, let's pour one out for Sun real quick. Oracle just hasn't done much. Yeah. At all. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the Java stuff is happening in the open source space on the JVM I on agree. The platform Java, but not yep. not um, not in these really new areas of like IoT or you know physical computing things like that. And I, I was a little disappointed because I, I'm. I mean, maybe we should do the rest of the hoopla, but I'm, I'm looking for an alternative for C plus plus because. Well, let's do the hoopla. Okay. I, you know what? 
This yeah, no, that's a good blow tease. Your mind. Uh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, really? Well, okay. So we have. I some... picked up a toy. <laughs> oh, oh, hmm. I uh, mm. I have uh, I have a little Russ news that I've included in here because we get a lot of we get a lot of people who write in or leave us comments and they say, guys, you really got to talk about Russ more. You talk about Swift too much. Talk about Rust. So I want uh, I want to include that. So you know what? Let's do this because DigitalOcean has some big news today. It broke just a couple of moments before we went on air. So let's let's mention DigitalOcean. It's a great way to support the show and get yourself on demand infrastructure at an incredibly great price with fantastic performance and a very straightforward API. Data centers all over the world and a UI that's so easy to use. It doesn't matter if you've never set up a server before or if you've been managing servers for 15 years. DigitalOcean.com. Go over there and use our promo code Coder Digital after you sign up. You apply that to your account and you get a $10 credit. You can play around with their $5 rig two months for free or try out their three cents an hour machine. This thing's a monster for three cents an hour. Two gigabytes of RAM, two core processor, 40 gigabyte SSD, and three terabytes of transfer. But, you know, I wonder if people realize, too, that it's not just about testing things out, deploying a droplet really quick. It can also be about building long-term back-end infrastructure. A lot of folks do it. And it's easy to scale up as you need on DigitalOcean. In fact, <laughs> I saw a note, a note from an Azure employee who says that I use DigitalOcean because it's the right tool for the job, and they just got even better. Load balancers. Now you can scale your applications and improve availability across your infrastructure in just a few clicks. It's built right into DigitalOcean. It's simple to set up. It's so slick. You can scale your applications to make sure they meet demand. I was actually considering doing something like this for our file distribution because Libsyn is just Libsyn is just a pain in my butt sometimes. And I, you know, three droplets and uh, this load balancer system, I may be able to do it. It's incredible what you might be able to do with just twenty dollars a month at DigitalOcean. It's incredible compared to the kind of infrastructures I used to build back in the day with physical rigs. You can do more with load balancers. You can be faster, more professional, rank better on Google searches. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code Coder Digital when you spin up your rig. Get a ten dollar credit. And support the show at DigitalOcean.com. So neither one of us are big Rust users, so bear that in mind as we go through this. But I do think it's important that we use the show as a platform to give it some attention from time to time. So this year, there is an overreaching theme. It is productivity, especially for early stage Rust users. This is in the 2017 roadmap over at the Rust Programming Language blog. Here's a few key details for 2017 in a nutshell. Rush should have a lower learning curve. Mm. Rush should have a pleasant edit compile debug cycle. Rush should provide a solid but basic IDE experience. Rush should provide easy access to high quality crates. Rush should be well equipped for writing robust high scale servers. Rush should have a 1.0 level crates for essential tasks. And Rush should integrate easily into large build systems. And Rush's community should provide mentoring at all levels. And they go into details about plans they already have in place for most cases to accomplish all of this. So it's not like they're just pie-in-the-sky stuff. Um, this year, the, as, as, the, as the year progresses, expect to see many more blog posts announcing roadmap-related initiatives and milestones around the end of the year. We'll publish a retrospective aggregating the progress of the year and providing a guide to the current state of Rust. If you see these crop up, please help me cover it in future shows by submitting it to coderadio.reddit.com because this is really first of a series. But... Uh, they say by the end of 2017, they want to have earned this slogan, Rust, fast, reliable, productive. You can pick three. Get it instead of fast, reliable, 
like the old pick one. This is you can pick three. Fast, reliable, affordable, yeah. Or what is it? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And this is fast. Good, reliable. fast, or cheap. That's yeah, what it yeah, is. yeah. This is this is fast, reliable, or productive. Pick three. I like that. I like that, dude. So there's your rust there. That that officially closes out the hoopla. That was the rust. That was the rust stuff. So Internet of Things, uh, not the Java Mecca we all thought it might once be. That was your lead in. How do you like that? Is that good? Was that hey, really good? I like that a lot. Did you get blown? Um, you were you were you were so you were so impressed by that lead in. You were verklempt. I, oh, I'm rarely verklempt. <laughs> I'm just okay, so so are we good for this? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready. I think we teased it good. I think I'm I'm ready to jump in. We all know that I love Java Duke. Everybody knows big that. Fan. Big fan. I'm clinging to my Java, but I'm doing a project that I'm going to keep teasing here. Required me to pick up a 3D printer. No way. So so there was a part of my trip in Denver that I did not share yesterday, Chris, because I was waiting. I was luring you into a false sense of security. Clever boy. Have you heard of Lulzbot? I put yeah. a uh, – okay. I picked up one of their Lulzbots. It's uh, on order right now. a boy. Really? Oh, man. I am, I am so excited about the future of 3D printing. I really, really just think this is going to be like a perfect hobby for my kids and I one day. Started out with the mini. We're going to start small, but I have a feeling in a few months we'll have to move up to the Taz. And uh, yeah, I don't. I can't see the live stream, but do we need to cover what three D printing is? We don't, right? Um, well, I would like to hear what you are excited about it because for me, I look at it as like an opportunity, really, with my kids. But there's so much more to it. Everybody yeah, so knows essentially what three D printing is, but. For quick proto, quick in quotes, right? Quick prototyping of small hardware devices, little gadgets that mm. could be uh, programmed on microcontrollers. Uh, think about little Internet of Things devices, probably mostly in the household space, printed on these uh, machines for prototyping, so you could test it out. Yeah, you know, I've so seen is, I've seen uh, at, yeah. uh, at conferences and stuff. Uh, people that uh, do this a lot, they'll build either – sometimes it's just cases for Raspberry Pis or custom boards that they've yeah. built with arm chips on them. And they just – here's the case for it. It fits in here and this is how I travel to different events. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, there is a ton of uh, ton of things going on. In fact, I was able to take a look at some filament that was made with bamboo. No. Yes. Did you see – where did you see that at System76? So System76 was uh, hosting the Lulzbot guys. Oh, okay. So on the side, I had a, a very long conversation with, uh, I think, their CEO, Michael. And I was printing. I was playing with it. I was touching filament. Came back home. Basically, immediately ordered one. <laughs> Love it. Yep. So we are we are going to be going in an interesting and slightly different direction in addition to everything else. Wait, does this mean the Internet of Things is dead? Oh no! Sorry, guys. Three D printing's over. Yeah, three D printing's over, and Internet of Things is dead. <laughs> it's, it's weird. I walk into the bar and people are like, uh, "Check, please, check." <laughs> I gotta get out of here. This guy's a killer. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I uh, I'm deeply excited. I should have it hopefully by March first. Fascinating. It's fascinating. So that was my little toy tease. I like it. Because of that, I'm looking to do some stuff on microcontrollers. Mm. And I have a BeagleBone, I have an Arduino sitting here, and I have a Raspberry Pi 3 in the box right here. I've actually been giving them away to kids as presents for Christmas and birthdays. Oh, it's cute. 
Yeah, Good I bought a whole bunch too. of. Yeah, well, there's a kit you can buy that has like the case, an HDMI cable, a data transfer cable, mm-hmm. um, an AC power thing, and it has a little guide on like make your own retro NES clone. Yeah, yeah. So that great gift idea if you've got anybody with a birthday coming up. I'm having a hard time finding a software stack. I've done a little bit with Arduino. Um, it's fine. I was hoping to do something slightly smaller. I love Java. I would like it to be Java, but there's obviously the performance characteristics of running the entire JVM is not awesome. Mm-hmm. But I gave Oracle the benefit of the doubt. I went, I did some pretty extensive reading last night on the current state of Java ME. And I'm not sure how they didn't just win this entire space. Yeah. But they're not. It, it, it's sort of weird that like it's a it, Java ME itself is pretty fragmented and there doesn't seem to be just a lot of effort um, uh, by Oracle, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about the whole copyright case we mentioned in the uh, in the intro, Google picked Java because it was a platform you could make a small embedded system on relatively easy. I was going to point that out too. Yeah, that was the and idea. Oracle just like hasn't done it for this whole IoT trend. So that that's challenging. Now I'm I may still go with Java, but of course the default choice would be you know a C plus plus like system, right? Or you could you you could go full Arduino and use the. Uh, there are some disadvantages going to Arduino, mostly cost. So if I want to produce these things and have them be, you know, at all profitable in terms of selling them to end users or selling them on a wholesale basis, the Arduino hardware because of the Arduino platform is just a little too expensive. Now, theoretically, and this this is something I'm toying with, you could buy Arduino like compatible to v- chips. Because um, Arduino, I believe now, what is the licensing on Arduino, Chris? I thought it was just totally like Libre, right? I don't know for sure. Uh, oh, that's a good point. The Lowell's bot is completely completely yes. Libre free. Yeah, I was gonna. I wonder. Uh, in fact, if you want, I was just gonna mention it really quick. Uh, <clears throat> they say that we believe in Libre innovation, hardware and software that is free and open for anyone to use and improve upon. And they link to everything essentially right here on their on their main page, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, they actually had the, the the specs are open source. You you could theoretically, if you wanted to and had the skills, um, go ahead and just like make your own. Yeah, I'm looking at them right now. Actually, uh, oh, wow, this is they just have it. They just have it all posted online. Hmm, that's pretty awesome. So yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty for, cool. That's pretty good for your position when you're trying to prototype. Find a prototype, and it's pretty good because you can. I think it was like twelve hundred dollars. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, on the price. But the yeah, mini is twelve hundred. Yeah, and the the pro or the Taz they call it is like twenty six hundred. But you can start with the mini and then step up to the Taz if you need to. Hmm. So now I'm at the point of okay, we're going to have the the printing for the cases uh, and the bodies. Let's take a look at the software. Well, C plus plus is biting off quite a big bear. Um using a platform like Arduino may make this like maybe okay for a prototype, but would probably be cost untenable because of the kind of the baggage you get with Arduino. Right. Um, and that's baggage in like a positive way because Arduino is a hobbyist kit. So yes. trying to do something commercial, yep. you're paying more because it's a hobbyist kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I found this framework called GoBot that seems to have a lot of compatibility with a lot of different, um, microcontrollers and and you know drivers for different devices so is this like that a is golang framework go, golang. Thing? yeah 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 okay i mean i 
ideally i would of course want this in objective c yeah okay. of course you would <laughs> i want everything in objective c and uh frankly i'm just not going to get that gobot is a framework for robots drones yep. and the internet of things written in the go programming language yeah, so that that is a pretty pretty up there contender. Obviously, Rust is a good choice. That's one of the reasons I was excited to see Chris put Rust in the show notes today. Yep. Um, because it is, you know, the the C, you know, GoLang and Rust right, are kind of the C. People who are going to write me about Swift, to my knowledge, one, I don't think Swift is a good choice just because of like manpower available to me, and two, I don't think that there is anything like this in Swift at this juncture. Oh, Swift. Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. Look at GoBot, though. Jeez, they've they got. uh, No, they've got a lot. They got a lot of platforms they support right now. Yeah. Ooh, look at that. I mean, GoBot, I I have like I was looking at their page and you could go to it's uh, Mm GoBot.io. I have about six of these things in a desk somewhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could start tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, and I could buy my kid the BB-8 bot because apparently you can program that with GoBot. I see that, yeah. yeah. I have, of course, so the, I mean, the contenders that probably a lot of folks in our audience have, they've got the Raspberry Pi and they've yeah. got the uh, chip, which was a, like the, the super, super cheap. They've got the BeagleBone Black, Arduino. Um, I'd say that BeagleBone Black, by the way, is a beast. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the Intel Edison. I think that's cool. But uh, I could not get my hands on an Edison. Yeah, who can? I no, I, I've only seen them yeah. at conferences. I've never gotten my – yeah, I've never been able to. Yeah. They got a yeah, few yeah, drones ordering, on here. Yeah, they have the AR drone and the mini drone, which I know – actually, I know a few people who have. And the Leap Motion, um, which would be a cool way to interact with it. Have you ever seen an Ollie? It's a kid's toy, right? I saw it in a store once. No, I haven't. No, it looks yeah. cute. It must be it's like a little. It's like a BB-8 well, yeah, weird a cousin thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What really uh, kind of ranked me out about the GoBot framework is they have support for a bunch of these add-ons as well. Yeah. So you can go ahead and you can buy standard relays, standard servos, standard motors, LEDs, things like that, mm-hmm. and they have drivers already. Where a lot of the smaller competitors just don't, and that's like, you know small shop we're still doing consulting but this is just something i'm personally very interested and passionate about and i want to kind of take a crack at getting into the business of having to write drivers would be very hard um i see too that they have uh analog uh at five analog drivers like the groove temperature sensor the groove sound sensor which would be useful in your location right now the groove rotary and a light sensor yeah, there's a lot of the background sounds sorry that's <laughs> all right it's all right i know you got business people doing business things back yeah, there with the business yeah. papers uh i like too that works with the wiimote that's hilarious there's a lot of cool stuff for this and of course oh and the adafruit too i mean so so there it, it's pretty open i mean the yeah. only problem is you have to use that golang yeah well Problem or advantage, my friend? Huh? Well, I think it's going to be the one I go with because JetBrains pay for a fucking ad. <laughs> what is the going is uh, is actually doing a Go IDE. Okay, so before we get into there, let's pause there and let's mention ScaleYourCode.com. Go over there and sign up for their private newsletter. Two to three emails a month of great, fantastic interviews and resources, real good stuff with real experts in the field that really know this thing, know what they're doing, have solved big challenges. See how they run their platforms, get an inside look at companies and the way they grow their infrastructure and solve those difficult engineering challenges. It's a resource that surrounds you with industry experts. ScaleYourCode.com, that's where you go to sign up. I was just looking at Jeff Atwood's interview on Scale Your Code. 
this is cool, on building discourse and Stack Exchange. That is the best. Uh, he's also, uh, he's currently a blogger. He's now an all-in-all, all-about all, all entrepreneur. I, like, I love that word. And, of course, he co-founded Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange as well. He writes at Coding Horror still. And this is just a fascinating interview. It's one of many. You get video and audio on some of these, too. Check it out. ScaleYourCode.com. Go sign up for the newsletter. Get the access that you want so that way you can watch the interviews, find out when new ones get posted. There's so many good ones up there, too. There's uh, engineers from Google, Etsy, Heroku, Shopify, Docker's up there. Uh, Chief architect of Reddit is up there. Um, the guy that created the Netflix site reliability engineering team is up there. The founder of Ruby on Rails and the CTO of Basecamp. We got an interview with him. Check it all out. ScaleYourCode.com. Go sign up and get access. And it's nice because you can unsubscribe at any time. And it's just two to three emails a month. That's no big deal. It's nice. ScaleYourCode.com. Thanks to Scale Your Code for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Okay, you maniac, are you talking about the uh, JetBrains toolbox? Are you talking about a JetBrains IDE? Is this some new product they're launching? So, so as an aside, I, I happen to mention they have GoLand, which is going to be a Go IDE. Stop for, it. Uh, yes. If you, if you like IntelliJ, Android Studio, I'm not naming all the right users, just too many, but like, you know, PHP, Storm, WebStorm, whatever, and you like Go, well, they have GoLand coming out. I'm serious. I got to go look this up. I got to go look. Announcing yeah. GoLand. Well, how did I miss that? Yeah. That came out in December. Well, I'm the last person to probably know. I'll put a link to it in the show notes if you guys didn't know. Okay. Well, that yeah. makes sense. You know what? That does make sense. I, th- I say good on them. Yeah, Jetbrains.com so slash go. Aha! Look at that. Uh-huh. See what they did there. Yeah. So I've actually uh, just installed yesterday their new Jetbrains toolbox. I'm trying it out on my Lemur. And this is not related to GoLand at all. This is... No, that's our tool of the week, the toolbox. The tool of the week. JetBrains toolbox. How about that? The tool of the week is a toolbox, a one-stop access to all your coding tools. All of them, Mike. And look at this with the screenshots in Unity. Look at that. Yeah, that's right. And and more importantly, it goes ahead and, like, manages updating them, which is weirdly a pain in the ass on Linux. Oh, so it sort of handles the uh, package management. It handles everything. It handles the install location, all that kind of crap. So is this like a creative cloud client that you download and you log in and get access to the... That's exactly what it's like. It's exactly what it's like. Yeah. And more and more folks are doing this. Yeah. JetBrains is not the only one doing this. Uh, But it's... I guess it kind of makes sense and it kind of normalizes out that whole Linux packaging problem, doesn't it? Because now you just open your JetBrain, and it self-installs, so you run it, and it like puts itself somewhere and does everything. So, well, how about that? So that's the tool yep. of the week. Hey, uh, before we go, I wanted to just uh, sort of float past you something that's kind of interesting. That's I know you've you flirt head uh, from time to time. Speaking of Valentine's Day, with uh, the elementary OS desktop environment for yourself. Oh, I have yeah. Monsieur Elementary. Yes, yes. Well, right now they are doing a fundraiser to do a pay what you want app store so it's still sort of targeted at open source software but the idea here is and they already have some some demo code written up with screenshots yes yes i i listened to this on last and was yelling at the phone <laughs> good or bad so what do you think of this a, a simple pay for what you want system in built into their app store i think it shouldn't be mandatory and free should not be an option oh really so yeah they're going to make free yep. an option free will still be an option well, I mean, you know, they're, I guess it's yeah, because it's for I, open source software. 
Yeah, I mean, because it's open. So to be clear, in the in the instance of this being open source only, which it currently is, by my understanding, um, I think that's okay. You'd like it though if they but, ever had made commercial application support to have a minimum requirement. Well, I would almost like two separate places then, because the problem is then you make it impossible to compete with the free software. I mean, have you ever heard of the App Store where mm. the prices just kept going down and down and down and so, down and yeah. down? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. That okay. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, there. Uh, you know what? Let's just do it. I, so Chris put something in the show notes that I selected all on. Wait, I think I already commented. deleted it. Even I think I deleted it from the show <laughs> deleted notes. Deleted it, and I put no. Are you going back there? Are you bringing this oh, back? I'm going there because you, you you mentioned the elementary thing. So let's do it. All right. Uh, Uncle Eddie, crazy yeah. Eddie, Grandpa Q, has got a new show for you to watch. Yeah. Uh, Apple Music, because that makes sense. Yeah, I know. It's it already right. right there. It already, already doesn't make any sense at all. Right. What are they called, doing? Called Planet of the Apps. Planet of the Apps, Mike. Did you see the little intro thing? You mean there's a... What intro thing? Is it like a... Did you watch the video? Oh, no, I didn't know there even was a video. Let me, let me oh, see this. Planet of the Apps. Oh, in every episode, app developers work to earn no. millions of dollars yes. in no. venture capital investment. Yes. It begins with the pitch to four of the world's most culturally influential Gary entrepreneurs. V. Will I am <laughs> developers? They're the rock stars of right now. Jessica Alba. Oh my I god! I have that gut and that intuition, and so far, it's been right. Gary Vaynerchuk. You've actually completely sold me on the tech advantage. And Gwyneth Paltrow. As consumers of news, we have a real trust issue. The developers have just sixty seconds on the escalator. Oh my to god! Get it's gonna have. They're gonna have about fake news. Interested in their idea. We read the pitch. Are you excited? I'm so excited. Everything we've done all comes down to this. No! We're the eBay for the Snapchat generation. No! We revolutionize social media. Please explain that. Some will be denied. I see the person that can design it, but who's going to build the business? Those selected by an advisor partner with the best in the business. Olivia knows through AI the best day and time to buy groceries. I need this. This is a branding game. I'm the branding person for you. Really? Yes, really. Last time I know, my brand is known all over the earth. I'm going to go wow. with Will. Because I got gold shoes on. <laughs> this is going to be so awful. It brings a whole new level of pain into my and I and I just watched this video when you put it in the show notes. So this is uh, this is a uh, Google. Or I'm sorry, this is Apple doing like the Netflix original content thing. Only they're tr- they're they can't get their heads out of the iPhone ass. So they they had to make it about apps and they had to make it sort of about showcasing the iPhone. It's like it's like shitty Shark Tank, which in itself is a weird statement. And it's a big like, step down for Jessica Alba. It's a huge step down. And Gwyneth, and Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, I don't, I don't really understand like what is going on here. I mean, I get why the entrepreneurs are right; they might actually get some money, so don't really begrudge that. If if but, anything made me concerned about the direction of Apple, it's it's that the management structure thought this was a good, this had to at least go across Tim's Cook Tim Cook's desk once, and and Eddie Q obviously. I mean, this is. I can't imagine this is going to be a success. This is going to be like their social features to their music stuff. This is going to quietly disappear. So what really strikes me as like totally tone deaf about this is if you had released this in like 2012, I'd be like, you know what? People are 
still making money on the App Store. Makes sense. 2014, but guys, things are kind of going bad. 2015, no. 2016, no. 2017. Now you're just insulting me. Now you're insulting me. Yeah, now it's just like, well, not only that, you're giving, like, these stories don't happen anymore. And not only that, the VC market has cooled significantly for, for app ideas. So, you know, apps are great. They're very useful. Uh, some of them are good and will make money, and some many of them need to be built for businesses, and that's good. And you know, it helps those businesses be more productive. But the idea that you're going to make an app and make a million dollars is basically over. Yeah, and and they're essentially selling you a pipe dream that isn't possible. The market doesn't support. Well, isn't it, sustainable. It's literally American Idol, Idol rather, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, or Shark Tank are, or any of those. Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> Gary V. <laughs> it's just, well, it's, it's, just it's get Alva, Will I Am, and Gwyneth Paltrow, yeah. dude. <laughs> it's also deeply tone deaf to like the plight of their current developer community, who's basically going broke or and going. It, well, and it feels company. like, are you not paying attention to all of the things that are so much more important that need worked on? Well, you know, this is they. They thought that this would be a great hook for a TV service, right? Like somehow all of this crap is the orphan child of the Apple TV. You're right. Ability to get cable. Right. Deals. This was going to be part of the Apple streaming service and they were going to make original right. content. And this is one of the only things that stuck. And so now they're right. just sticking on Apple music because that's their newest service. They're trying to get everybody on. Right. But from a developer perspective, this is just like super tone deaf to me. This is really alarming. Really, really. Well, it makes me think that they sort of, I don't know how to say this. It, it adds a willfulness, right? Because it's one thing when like an idiot comes to you with an app idea and thinks he's going to be a millionaire. But if Apple's like actively pushing that narrative, that borders on, I don't know, it has a sort of puppy mill kind of feel to it to me. Yeah, I like hadn't it, thought about that. Right, because you have clients. You know, I, I, I definitely experienced this phenomenon where I worked with a client. They were actually an employer. Um, who really thought they were going to have the next World of Warcraft. And uh, yeah. it just, it was hard to work with them. You know, it was really hard because it was so obviously not going to be a big hit, but they thought Facebook uh, they thought Facebook games were the next big thing. And if they could get Facebook people to like and share their game status, the, the platform itself with billions of users would automatically make them huger than anything World of Warcraft could have ever been. And they went all in. And, you know, teams of people worked on this stuff for a long time, and then it just died eventually. And yeah, I knew all along it was going to die. It's really hard because they bought into this narrative that Facebook was selling them that because people because people are checking their Facebook feed and your game information showing up in their feed all the time, it's the best advertising you could ever get. And they bought it and they went all in. It's kind of this all over again. Yeah, this is this is um you know, again, I, I just saw this, so I'm not even like sure I have all my thoughts gathered. Yeah, yeah. But it, 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 is there it, any it, chance it's going to be good? As like a TV show? Yeah, as something you just watch from time to time when you want to kill 20 minutes. No, if I want to watch garbage TV, I will watch Casa Cerrado. Yeah. Which, which is basically Spanish Judge Judy. But. You, know what, you know what I could have been down for? Possibly is like a documentary of developers creating apps, what it's like to get it on the market. You know. Right, we could take them from filing out their SS4 to filing the Chapter 11 form. <laughs> oh. 
it, dude. That is, oh, that is, oh, I got to call it right there. I got to call it right there. That's too good not to end on. That is, <laughs> all right. Go get more of that on the Twitter feed. Where should people follow you, Mr. Dominic? At Jim Manuko. I love it. Follow me at Chris LES. And instead of watching Planet of the Apps, go watch the vlog. There might even be a little behind the scenes from this episode, youtube.com slash Chris Fisher. That's where you can find my arse. Also, twitter.com slash Chris LES for me and twitter.com slash Jupiter Signal for the whole network. When you get uh, live time changes, live stream updates, all of that, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for our live times. We'd love to have you join us when we're back at our regular live time next week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you then.